the fire. These vociferous people that have absolutely no experience except to sponge up socialist propaganda of school textbooks try to tell me what my experience is as a Hispanic, what the experiences of my people, and how it will end. Really? The audacity. They don't want to hear the reality that the majority of Hispanic citizens along the border and in these major cities do not support open borders at all. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today, talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello, and welcome to Through the Fire, where each week we try to take on what's happening in our culture from a Christian worldview. Today, there's been a lot of discussion, Mm -hmm. yet again, right, about the number of immigrants entering the country and their treatment once they arrive. Mm Mm-hmm. Lots of people are talking about it. Yeah, and, and I don't, you know, we don't like how it's framed. It just gets all kinds of confusion going on. But I, I know, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people seem to have opinions, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, immigration, illegal immigration specifically, is an important topic to discuss, right. right? But today, I don't really want to just talk about that. I want to talk about the opinions that I hear about why illegal, non-documented immigrants should be treated this way or that way. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the characterization of Hispanic people seeking in into this country and using that particular characterization to decide what happens to them. Yeah. See, I find it very patronizing. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I do. Listen in, folks. And because it's our program, (laughs) I'm going to rant a little bit, okay? I think... I think it will be quite therapeutic for me, actually. Yeah, I know, because I know you've been wanting to talk about this for a while, because you're extremely troubled, should I say, by how the Hispanic community is either caricatured or patronized in the discussion. And I mean, you know, I've always said that your grandmother, Minerva Urango, she was the Rosa Parks of West Texas, and in the face of real challenges, she always found a way to make the best of her opportunities in this country, sometimes in the face of real challenges to the contrary. And you've always hated the soft bigotry of the notion that, like, Hispanic folks, especially Hispanic immigrants, can't or don't want to follow the laws of our country as if they're really different in in those kind of human ways uh, from other people. Right, right. I mean, you're absolutely correct. I mean, I truly, truly detest the characterization of patronizing. I mean, perhaps because I am my grandmother's granddaughter, um, her first grandchild. Yeah, you are. And you know, I got to tell you this, folks. Listen, I saw her heart or her, her grandmother's virtue in my wife, and and that's one of the reasons I married you. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, I am quite. You know surprised. that Spanish blood when it gets a little bit too hot, though. That's <laughs> no, a little no, bit no. Different. See now you're characterizing. <laughs> I don't like that character. That character. Oh, that's yeah, character. I don't I like that. Was actually no, pretty no, good. no, no, no. <laughs> No, but seriously, right. uh, I, I had I expressed my disdain early on, you know, mm-hmm. when we were dating before we married and I and we would attend events there um, that discussed Hispanics in this country. I, mm-hmm. I got, you know, really blistered by it. I really did. Um, mm-hmm. And many people, you know, some with good intentions, others clearly not uh, tend to paint Hispanics as people who are victims, mm-hmm. who are incapable, you know, of fending, thinking, and doing for ourselves the way that non-Hispanics are capable and or expected to do, you right. know. This characterizing and patronizing, by the way, is also applied to the black American it's community. It's part of the discussion and all this It stuff. is. This depiction of Hispanics and blacks as always victims mm-hmm. or as people who need all-encompassing, you know, sympathy bothers me tremendously on a personal level. Yeah. And why does it bother yeah, me? Yeah, why? Because 
because I happen to be a woman who is very proud to be of Hispanic descent. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm also very proud to be an American. And I love living in a country that allows people freedom and opportunity. And it's those laws that allow people of all ethnicities and cultures to come here Mm -hmm. and be who they are as well as to work to become good American citizens and neighbors. Yeah, no, no, that's being lost in the whole discussion of why that draws people still to this day. You know, Mm -hmm. some of the characteristics, unfortunately, come, like you said, from stereotyping Hispanics as either lazy, Mm -hmm. unintelligent people or aggressive gangbangers and criminals alone, or even making excuses why people should be able to come break our laws because they're good people. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we're always taught by faith is not to generalize people, not, whether it's their bad behavior of some to others or even gloss over their behavior as if it doesn't matter. The goal is to try to treat each other as individuals. And that's what I loved about Janini. That's what I loved mm-hmm. about Minerva. In fact, I know you've been doing some investigating on this topic, and you called some people back in West Texas to discuss it. And, and you mentioned your grandmother, Minerva, who, again, like I said, we affectionately called Ninny. Yes. And so what did you find out? Yeah. So last week I spoke with Pete Gallego. He was the former U.S. House representative for the 23rd District of Texas. And by the way, I think it's important to note that District 23 represents the longest stretch of the Texas border. And, I didn't know that. Yeah. And he was one of my, uh, he was a student of my grandmother. Um, you mentioned my nanny. And as her, of her being, you know, similar to Rosa Parks. And I mean that sincerely, too. <laughs> no, I mean, she was it, yeah, very much. Uh, she certainly she dealt had, with and overcame. Yeah. Absolutely. She certainly had many challenges of her mm-hmm. time. Yet she never, ever adopted a, a victim mindset. Mm-hmm. And despite multiple challenges, she blessed so many people, including me. Yeah. And that's that's the spirit I see even living in you, too. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, I, tr- I believe. And, you know, and that's what the spirit right? we're trying to bring to our program, too, in talking about that's these That's why we do this, issues. right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we put ourselves out there yeah, you know, every absolutely. time we do this. So, absolutely. you know, I didn't know this, but Representative Gallego kept up with her and knew her all of his life yeah. and spent copious, I didn't know this part, amounts of time with her throughout her life. Okay. I mean, he'd go and see her, you know, after she retired and moved to Del Rio. Um, he'd go and visit her. And so, uh, you know, during my discussion with him, I was lamenting, you know, on the personal and professional challenges that my grandmother had at that time in our country's history Mm -hmm. and of her being censored and embarrassed for breaking school board rules. Mm -hmm. And Representative Gallego respectfully disagreed with me. okay. Yeah, Yeah, and he said no. 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 Well, he's he's not real harsh, but (laughs) he was firm. (laughs) He's a (laughs) soft-spoken man, but he's very, very firm. Okay. He said, you know, your grandmother was a, a modern woman who didn't allow herself to be humiliated or distracted. Rather, she, you know, created her own life and met challenges head on. And I like what you just said. She humiliated. That's one thing. But she also didn't get distracted from no. keeping going forward the way she wanted to do it. Yeah. Because yeah. that meant a lot to me when he said that. You know, I saw her that way. But to hear him, someone who has served his state and country politically for so many years to describe her that way, you know. Mm-hmm. But see, he's an innovator. You know, his parents were innovators. My parents, his parents, my grandparents grew up with segregation. Right. You know, they attended segregated schools. You know, my grandmother graduated from a formerly all-white male student-only college. Wow. As did, yeah, as did Representative P. Gallego and his father and my father. Right. Um, you know, my grandmother earned her master's degree, taught in Hispanic schools in West Texas town of Alpine. Right. Uh, and, and the Spanish language was not allowed in the schools. So that children would have to learn English, which is a good thing. It makes right. sense, right? right? Except that there were times when the concepts were not 
you know, the students yeah. can grasp it in English. Right. And so she was censored and written up in the local paper for having dr- transgressed the rules. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, that, I know. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So this didn't deter her, like you were saying, from teaching her students. Mm-hmm. You know, she was very serious about education. She was also very serious in her approach to life. And she mentored students to visualize a better life through responsibility and hard work. By the way, these are foundational traditional principles that pull us together, yeah. that help us become Americans, even as we cherish our heritage. Yeah, I think that's why I enjoyed her so much. And by the way, you know, uh, every ethnic group has had to go through some of this process. Absolutely. Even our German heritage had to do this. Uh, Absolutely. But that's why I loved your grandmother so much. She was an incredible woman of faith as well. She was a woman of virtue. And despite the challenges that were against her in front of her, it's that faith and that virtue and that discipline that gave her strength and wisdom to take it on. And, and this country also also gave her opportunities to fight the nonsense that was going on in, in you know in her neighborhood. So yeah. I admired her greatly. Uh, she's very knowledgeable, social. She had a great sense of humor. You know, <laughs> I love to make her smile. I love to make her laugh. <laughs> I know it's funny that you would mention her humor because Representative Gallego uh, recalled that quality in her as well. He said, you know, she enjoyed talking and laughing and smoking. It's really <laughs> funny when he said that. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yes. You know, my, my Hispanic grandfather, you know, her husband fought for our country in World War II. Yeah, he hit the beaches of Normandy. He sure did. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you know, she saved all of his monthly paychecks for when he would return home. So this is interesting. I want people to listen to this, okay, mm-hmm. so that they could jointly open a grocery store. So interestingly, this grocery store that they did eventually open up put him in direct competition with his own father's grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> okay. I did not yeah. know this. Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, because you remember segregation. Yeah, there were, sure. you know, th- there was a white grocery store, right, and there right, was right. a Hispanic one, a mm. Hispanic market. So talk about embracing the spirit of capitalism, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he's going to bust through. Yeah. So previously, my great grandfather had the only grocery store on the Hispanic side of town, mm-hmm. and my grandfather eventually put him out of business. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but my grandfather, you know, I mean, he he was a, a very, you know, a competitive, oh, uh, yeah. very focused he business. He was a very powerful guy. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, apart from that, my grandmother also used her own money, you know, mm-hmm. to purchase the uniforms for the girls' volleyball and baseball teams for the schools she taught in um, so that the teams would look and feel like the teams from the other schools that they competed against. Right. I mean, remember, the Hispanic schools had little to no money for such things, and she was a very determined, disciplined, focused, service-to-others woman. Right. That's why, again, I love that about her. Yes, me too. I mean, she was amazing. So I want to step aside here for a second and share something else that I just learned literally a few hours ago. And it it really took my breath away. Um, I've been, you know, a little... Just surprised and wowed about it for a while um, since I just since I learned, but uh, I came about it quite um, on accident. Actually, okay. I was doing some research and came across a tribute to my grandfather, who entered heaven, you know, on 2013. Anyway, this tribute was from a very successful real estate broker in Texas, Reagan Greer, and in his tribute, Reagan called my grandfather a patriot mentor, Mm. and server of his church and community. Now, Reagan attended the same school from which I graduated, which was Winston Churchill in San Antonio, Texas. And Reagan was known as a gentleman, a mentor, and a successful businessman, as a Christian, a father, and a husband. And I say was because um, Reagan entered heaven in 2019. So he's Mm. with my grandfather now, you know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know that he knew my grandfather, much less that my grandfather mentored him. And here recently during COVID, I learned that Reagan then went on to mentor another former high school friend of mine from my first high school that I attended, Highlands High School. And this gentleman, Bruce Osborne, was his mentee. 
And I find it interesting because there was no reason for my grandfather to know or impact these men as he did. And I didn't know the men knew each other. I mean, why would they? Mm -hmm. And my grandfather mentors the mentee, and that mentee mentors others. And you just see how, you know, it goes on, right? And Mm -hmm. it it grows. So I, you know, I thought about how a caustic raindrop generates concentric circles of energy that flow outward from that one drop. Right. You know, and I kind of liken that drop to each one of us, like you, me, and what we do, and why are we here on earth and our purpose. And, you know, I applied that to my grandmother's vision and decision to enable my grandfather to be successful, you know, to provide for his family and to serve his nation and the community. And, And, you know, what's amazing is the principles that that they espoused could mm-hmm. actually not only overcome the nonsense they were up against, but it can then draw people who were different than them into their circle. And that's, right. again, like I said, I loved your grandmother yeah. just because of what she stood for. And, of course, that's why I loved you and why we, we're together, because there's a foundation to that. Mm-hmm. So there's the joy of the uniqueness that we have, but then there's, there's this common humanity that undergirds that that we hold on to, mm-hmm. and that's what's a beautiful thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I knew about my grandmother and the people she mentored. You know, right. I knew that. She would take in college students who could not afford room and tuition, right. and she gave them a place to live, and she gave them chores to do around the house so that they could earn yeah, their chores. keep. chores. She was that She way. was. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I even had You're going to earn your keep. You, yes. And, but it's good because it develops responsibility, right. right? People are le- leaning into you. You, right. uh, for to fulfill certain obligations and responsibilities. So, I mean, it's a, it's a learning thing and it builds character. Right. So, you know, sometimes they'd be given the chore of, of planting and maintaining the garden or doing the laundry or washing the dishes, whatever. They, they had their roles. And sometimes my grandmother would sleep on the floor so they could have a bed. Yeah. Can you imagine that? You know, I know. But I, I didn't know anything about my grandfather's mentoring of people like I knew about yeah, her. Yeah, you learn. I mean, to me... This, that's why I said we had to do this program. It's a wonderful history. And as your loving husband of 36 years, um, <laughs> that's why I know this topic that we're talking about is so meaningful to you. Even more importantly, that's why it's so meaningful to others, too. We can't keep talking about people as groups pejoratively or otherwise. And, and there are, yeah, there are places and cultures from whence we come. We cherish that. They make us who we are, but then there are principles and virtues that transcend cultures mm-hmm. and draw us together even now. Mm-hmm. And those things bind us together as a people, especially, of course, the people of God. And, and you know, your life has been dedicated to cherishing uh, your uniqueness as your grandmother's granddaughter, even as you delight in the individual people that you meet who come from literally every part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, that is who, and, and that's I'm, what it causes curious. you to be. Yes. Yeah, I'm curious Absolutely. and I'm interested, you know. So thanks, honey, for saying that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know I'm talking a lot more than you are, which is unusual. <laughs> I mean, I think an earthquake hey, come is going to come. <laughs> Well, thanks for allowing me to do this. It's opening up right now. It is. I can feel <laughs> hear the rumble already. But no, but seriously, you know, field studies show that Hispanic people come to this country with dreams, you know, for economic opportunity, to reunite with family members, and to freely put their faith into action. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this idea that Hispanic population is monolithic is incorrect. Well, that's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. collectively, the Hispanic or Latino uh, populations, you know, come from 20 countries and territories, and they speak, you know, six different languages. Right. So, and they fall or we fall along the socioeconomic spectrum. So not everyone that comes here, not everyone that is Hispanic is falling to the lower economic uh, right. income bracket and, and is, you know, in need of agencies to assist them. And that's why these car- caricatures don't work. No. And so the idea that, you know, Hispanics are incapable or cannot or should not be expected to follow rules or laws is insulting to me and to mm-hmm. all of us. Yeah. And now another take on this um, 
from a pastor's point of view, I'll, I'll share that the church people or Christians often get confused on this issue too, mm-hmm. whether it's immigration, illegal immigration, citizenship, because they apply personal biblical principles of love and sacrifice, which are good, to government agencies, which is bad, because that's not the role of the government. That's one of the reasons that we caricature people wrongly. You know, so, so God tells us to love our neighbors. He tells the government, let's call that the things of Caesar, he says, you know, you're to make sure that the people keep the rules, keep citizens safe, make sure their rights are not trampled on by enemies, foreign or domestic. So we've got to, you know, when we think this stuff through, even to the church people, we've got to apply the correct Bible verses um, to our personal behavior and the correct biblical wisdom to what the government should do and what it should not do. So I was just thinking about this. You know, just think about it this way. The, the Bible doesn't tell the government to turn the other cheek mm-hmm. uh, or to love as God loves you in Christ. It tells the government to keep the peace, keep law and order, and use scales of justice that are fair for everyone. So mm-hmm. so to make sure that we don't develop a patronizing, and right. I think that's what you're really talking about today, yes. let's not do this, of what this immigration stuff's all about. It isn't about how should I love my neighbor. We could have a great discussion about that all day long. In fact, we'll talk about how the story of the Good Samaritan does relate to this discussion later. But first, this question is about immigration, illegal immigration, and what the government should do about it. It's really the question, who should the government allow into your house? If you want to think of that, <laughs> oh, if you think about scary. it that way, well, think about it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's like, saying, it's like uh, immigration is the government program, like asking you, um, do you have the right to lock your house at night? Do you have the right to determine who gets to come into your house, mm-hmm. sleep in your house, eat in your house, eat at your table? Even more, um, this is a question maybe about whether a neighbor has the right to let whomever they want into your house. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but that's really the kind of stuff we're talking about. And then using people as a caricature to get your point across. And we're against both of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, or, you know, even worse, this kind of political question is like asking, can a neighbor or homeowners association <laughs> suddenly say, no locks on your doors or your door, your, you know, your front door must always be open right. and, and leave your keys in to the car and your ignition. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but, but continue to pay your mortgage and buy insurance and pay utility bills and pay for, <laughs> for food the... in the house, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And that's why. I said even church people get confused on this. We see the caricatures of people uh, desiring to enter our country. We see the politicians abusing the chaos to the detriment of all Americans. And we tend to then mischaracterize this issue as a how should I love my neighbor discussion when it's what should a just government do to protect its own people first, even as it opens its doors to over a million legal immigrants every year. So mm. it's again, this topic's the one the most mischaracterized in our country and, and truly misunderstood. Yes, I agree. I mean, mm-hmm. it first is a question of whether the U.S. is a nation of laws and do those laws bind us all together mm-hmm. and even protect us as a nation together, right. right? So if we get that right, then the next question, should visitors to the USA have the same rights and responsibilities as U.S. citizens, isn't so hard to answer. It really isn't. And and what would be the point of being a citizen then? I, I remember when we when Devin studied in Paris, we had to go through all kinds of hoops to honor their laws, to make sure they had she had a legal visa to stay there. And when the visa was up, she had to return to the States. Why? Because she wasn't a French citizen. So citizenship identified the rights and the responsibilities that neighbors in a specific community or country owe each other. And it's wrong to assert that non-citizens have those same rights as, as uh, citizens. And it's even worse. And this is, I think, where, when the politicians of the day caricature non-citizens for their gain while circumventing the rights of those who already are law-abiding citizens. And then to say that Hispanics don't want to be law-abiding citizens, that just irritates even more. Yeah, yeah, indeed.
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like you said earlier, what would be the point of being a law-abiding citizen <laughs> yeah. then, right? I mean, it would undermine that, right? I mean, it would undermine the laws that made your grandparents want to come to America and want to even yeah. defend the country here. Mm-hmm. It would undermine the laws that help overcome challenges and bigotries in their communities, help make, and then they help make their state and their country a better place for everyone to live. So I still say that people from all over the world, they, that's why they want to become citizens, mm-hmm. because of these incredible principles and opportunities in this country. And, and with that, I think then there's the responsibility of citizenship we all owe to each other, and our government's supposed to protect mm-hmm. that. But I think that people often confuse this discussion about laws and immigrants and law-abiding citizens, um, misusing Jesus' admonition, right, that we as Christians should love others as God and Christ loves us, right, and turning it into a political statement that everyone should get to come and stay just because they want to. Yeah, and that's another great point. Of course we're to love each other, and and citizenship or non-citizenship doesn't change that at all. The question is whether a country or a people can determine their laws, the borders, how their country is ruled. Again, just to use a picture to get a handle on this, Mm -hmm. we, we practice this every day in our neighborhoods. We can have an I love you, I'm kind to you kind of attitude to our friends and neighbors, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't give them the right to come into our house whenever they wish. You know, (laughs) a just society honors people's rights to have private property, a house, a home, and it doesn't misuse the principle of love to grant people the unrestricted access and and use of another's home, house, car, food, whatever, as they wish. So, Yeah, the open borders crowd, okay, which uses caricatures of my heritage, the people Mm -hmm. I love. I won't even listen to their arguments until they leave their own houses open, their own <laughs> apartment front doors wide open, and the keys in their cars, or maybe even in the ignition, turn okay. it on. Okay, you turn know, it on, un- leave it running. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm a bit edgy right now by, by you know, the opinions of this ill will way of thinking, okay? Right, right. Or not thinking, I should say. I mean, it's all feeling, isn't it? Right. Well, you and it's, it's misdirected. Yeah. And this past year and past couple of months have been very trying for me, you know, as you know, with some previous co-workers as well as a supervisor from a particular place where I worked, right, 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 right. Uh, that I was connected with some years back. And, and these, you know, they're all women. I'm going to say that. Yes, they're all female and they have all so lived. So the guys get off the hook for yeah, now. Yeah, you get off the hook <laughs> on this one right now. But <laughs> very funny. <laughs> they are. <though. laughs> but but this is interesting to me, I, I have to say. So, you know, I know them professionally, right? They're on the field like I am, you know, in counseling, right. mental health field. Right. And um, they have all lived, all of them have lived and served in the mental health uh, profession in the middle. West only. So listen to what I'm going to say. Okay. They have only lived and served here in the Midwest. So given what I just said, that information, uh, you one could deduce that, okay, they've served primarily white, non-Hispanic, non-Native American, non-Asian populations. In other words, mostly mid-level, socioeconomic, non-minority people, right? right? But for some reason, they believe, <laughs> and they're quite verbal, even to the bullying yeah, extent, bullying it's really of, yeah. ba- been bad, the way that they have, you know, that they have the answers and that they know what's right and that open borders is, are, is the way to go and that I... I'm a racist, and I lack empathy because I disagree with them on their views regarding immigrants and the agencies that should be afforded to them. Look. (laughs) You were even down working on the border. (laughs) Yes. Hello. I'm Hispanic. I worked on the border. I've lived on the border. I was born close to the border. Listen. So you know, I I mean, I've I've worked it. I've counseled the nurse practitioners that were working on the medevac units, uh, treating the immigrants that are coming over from, you know, crossing the border. We need to remember, people, mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, we need to remember that immigrants are choosing to come here. Right. They are not forced into coming here. They are free to leave if they dislike this country's treatment of them. 
You know, it's not illegal for them to come to the border. It is perfectly legal for them to come here and to seek entry. Mm -hmm. It is illegal, however, for them to enter unlawfully and to stay here unlawfully. And there is nothing racist about saying that fact. There isn't. And so the rules and the laws need to be upheld to protect the people who are citizens of this country. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny that you when you were saying that it reminded me when Candace Owen was before the, you know, oh, Congress, before yes. Congress. And there were three liberal white women <laughs> telling, telling her, her, about, her about the black experience. And she said, this isn't Hello. this crazy. <laughs> but anyway, but, you know, but, but those laws, what people need to understand here is that the people who are even coming here, they're coming. They, they want to live because of the just opportunities of the country, too. So these laws, the rules and laws are one of the reasons many still wish to come here. It's fair laws that can bind people from various parts of the world into this kind of thing called Americans. And that's what we need to hold on to. Absolutely. You know, people who break the laws do not typically have the best of intentions. They don't. No. And what bothers me is that I am Hispanic. I serve you know, you have served uh, Hispanics and minorities together. We have served mm-hmm. Hispanics, minority populations in New York City, in Los Angeles, uh, in central Los Angeles yeah, for years. A, we've had a blast doing it. For years. We, and we, we brought homeless people. people in to live with us. Yeah. So, you know, we know what we're talking about here. Well, it, it, I mean, we've experienced it because, yeah. And we've invested. T- right. And we don't okay. caricature these. No. And so the majority of Hispanics in the U.S., you know, mm-hmm. live in large metropolitan areas and like the ones that I just mentioned, you know, in cities in California, New York, Florida, and Arizona. Mm-hmm. And these vociferous people that have <laughs> absolutely <laughs> no right. experience except to sponge up socialist propaganda of school textbooks try to tell me what my experience is as a Hispanic, what the experiences of my people, what my experience should be, and how it will end. Really? Right. The audacity, the arrogance. They don't want to hear the reality that the majority of Hispanic citizens along the border and in these major cities do not support open no, borders. No. At all. By the way, my grandfather was a mayor of Eagle Pass, which is a city along the 23rd district of Texas on the Texas border. And he thoroughly understood the challenges and problems associated with the level of fluidity at the border. So, you know, compassion, people, compassion is good. However, it will not institute actions that protect the physical and financial safety of our communities and our legal citizens. And that's the government's role. And that's what we've been talking about. So to caricature this stuff and then to use people's suffering to get your point across. When you really aren't making their lives better, that's that's what we're really. They continue to upset make them about. suffer. It's ridiculous. Well, you know, you should you should point to them. I, as people a lot of time talk about the Good Samaritan, and you know, I always tell people: first of all, it's the Good Samaritan, not the Good Samaritan government. Yeah, you know, that's, that's right. the biblical. That's right. And, and then you notice that the the man, the Samaritan man, pays. That's right. Whatever the prices do, he doesn't demand that the innkeeper take mm-hmm. in the man for free. He honors the laws of the community even as he cares for the whole person. And I've talked to people. I said, if you can get involved in this thing, then it's there's going to be a price to be paid. That mm-hmm. and, it, and benevolence, yes. that's part of that. So God's laws, uh, a nation's law, just laws, and of course God's grace um, that can honor our uniqueness as Hispanic people, as Anglo. I call myself a Scando-Saxon. So I mean, I, <laughs> you know, black, Asian, African, while still calling us to the oneness that comes from being citizens under the law, and blessed by God's creating and redeeming grace. That's something to celebrate. You know, that, mm-hmm. that I know there's a tension there, but that's a good tension. So to say that white or black or Hispanic or Asian people somehow cannot be bonded together with this wonderful news or something that bonds us together as humans, mm-hmm. that's the miss the whole biblical message too. And even the point of the American experiment that we're all equal before the law. So 
I love this talk about your grandmother mm. and your grandfather. They, they not only believe this, mm. they lived it and they put they it to work. They're a testimony, not just to you, to mm. me, the, the clear reflection of her character. They're a testimony uh, to all of us, uh, whether we're Hispanic or not. In mm-hmm. fact, it's those things that drew me even to her. Mm-hmm. So well, I'm spicy too. So yeah, Well, I, I, did I say that? <laughs> Can I say that? I'm going to say that. <laughs> No, but but it, let's let me just leave it here. So you know, life is in God's hands, right. indeed. Right? Even and she now, really today, that. Yeah. yes. And, mm-hmm. and my grandmother and my grandfather really believe that. Mm-hmm. And you know, today when there is so much you know unrest with discussions regarding COVID, immigration control, education inequality, we all must strive to live freely and continue to build a country that can honor our uniqueness, even as it binds us together as one people, Correct. equal before the law. Right? right, created mm. and sustained by God's redeeming grace. Mm-hmm. Despair not. Despair not. Despair not. And remember, my, and my what? rant is over. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's been a blessing, baby. Oh well, thank you. So remember, there are two kinds of fire in the world: the one that burns and consumes, and the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers. I'm Marie, and I'm Greg. See, See you, you soon. soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media, familyvisionmedia.org.